We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, we're talking about preseason takeaways. I think most listeners to our podcast could sense that me and you were not super amped up for this bowl season coming into the preseason because their offseason was pretty disappointing. Only adding Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond to the mix from a team last year that didn't put up much of a fight in the first round. Was, and Dalen Terry. <laughs> was a bit underwhelming. Dalen Terry as well at pick number 18. Uh, but for the Bulls to truly meet last year's standard and perhaps exceed it, they were going to have to bank on some internal improvement and a few other factors. And in the preseason run, Jace, I got to say, I'm feeling a little bit better about our Bulls. The Bulls are back. <laughs> Because of some internal improvement. Javante Green looks better than ever. Io, entrenched as a starter now. Uh, he looks better in multiple areas. Patrick Williams maybe better based off his last preseason game. We'll see. That was against sort of the Bucks G League team. Uh, and just, you know, in general, I think that uh, the vibe's trending up after a generally strong preseason. What stood out to you, Jason? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would agree. Like I tweeted last night after the Bulls' last preseason game, as you said, against the G League Bucks, they literally uh, their starting lineup was like Jordan Wara and like Samu and uh, Javon Carter. Basically, all their good guys rested, and it was a close game at halftime. Bulls pulled away in the second half. Uh, we saw some nice things though from it, which we'll talk about a bit more. But overall, after this game, I was like feeling a little bit better about. The Bulls, like I said, I don't think like I'm not going to go say that the like Stacy said they're going to be a 50 win team. Obviously, he's got to be the hype man playing the company hype man. Uh, I don't think they're going to win 50 games after what they did in preseason, but like they could maybe add a maybe a win or two to their total. I like, mean, from like I was thinking like 43 ish wins, maybe it'll get me to 40, 44, 45. Just uh, 
Yeah, I mean, they play the style they were playing was pretty fun. I mean, they, they were even without Lonzo Ball, they were con- constantly pushing the pace. You mentioned Javante Green. I mean, he was all over the place. I mean, I mean, I think we know in general Javante is limited, but like he, it almost seemed he had added some stuff to his bag. Like we saw him drive to the basket and finish. We saw him like we saw him splash a three pointer, like coming around a screen and catching and shooting. I was like. Where the hell, what the hell is this? Like, may, again, maybe this is just a preseason thing and like him going harder than like everybody probably stands out even more in preseason when maybe not guys aren't going quite as hard. But, like, I mean, he was just wreaking havoc in transition lanes, dunking, hitting threes. Uh, I don't remember what, don't, not sure what his exact numbers ended up being, but like he was, he was like 17 of 22 from the field through the first three games. And, like, just he was great. You mentioned IO looks awesome. Uh, he just looks bigger. He looks pretty fast. His jumper looks improved. I know his like the volume still wasn't totally there, but it just like looks a lot better. So at least aesthetically, he looks better. I expect him to be better for sure. Uh, even the new guys after the first that first preseason game, like Dragic looked awful. He looked totally terrible. Drummond looked annoying, frustrating. Like uh, both those guys did some really nice things in the games after that. Dragic did sit out. Uh, one of those games, the what was it the third game? I'm already blanking on who the hell that was. The Raptors, I believe he set out that game. Um, but like Dragic was good against the Nuggets. He was pretty good against the Bucks last night. And Andre Drummond, uh, three point specialist these days, knocking down three all three of his three pointers against the Raptors, and not just like knocking them down, like like he was splashing them in. Like looked like good form. This is a guy who was shooting 13% for his career. Uh, we know he's like historically bad from the free throw line. He's just draining these open threes. I'm like, maybe, like so much, maybe the Bulls did add some shooting this offseason in the form of Andre Drummond. Don't want to go too crazy there, but like, I mean, if he's open, take them. He's like in that in that Raptors game, I had like made a joke. They were trying to use Patrick Williams as like a screener for like I think Demar or Zach, and like they had Andre Drummond like spacing, quote unquote, spacing to the corner. I'm like, I mean, why would you ever do that? Like that's just gonna clog the lane. That doesn't seem like it would work. And then Andre Drummond hits three three-pointers after that. So those two guys, those two additions looked better. Like I said, it's preseason. Maybe when teams ratchet things up, they'll look more washed as the season goes on as like veterans. But they looked at least a little better, not completely toast. So that's good. Dale and Terry, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, again, not sure wh- how much time he'll get in the rotation. We'll see. But like he's a guy who just seems like he kind of just does stuff. He can kind of make stuff happen. Uh, with his activity level, trend another transition guy. Uh, that uh, it was in that third game, that Raptors game, where they were playing like it was like Dalen, Io, I think Kobe, Derrick Jones Jr., and maybe Javante or Drummond, something like that. And they just just were like running all over them, the tr- transition stuff because they have a lot of athletic guys. Just worried about their shooting. Um, and then I guess Pat Pat showed some nice things against the Bucks. Uh, he had those few dunks in a row where just. Uh, took the, I mean, just like went up strong. Uh, I think I will talk about Pat specifically a little more later, but those are just my general vibes. And like, and then in general, like Demar looks picking up right where he left off. Contract your Vooch. He had a great preseason. His shot was looking great. He was playing really well overall. So like, I can't say there's anyone who had like an awful like preseason. Like Kobe, I guess was Kobe did have a nice game against the Nuggets. Uh, wasn't very good against the Raptors, and like he started bad against the Bucks, and then kind of heated up at the end there. Uh, but even like I wouldn't say he was bad. So like there was there was no. I mean, I guess the, if anyone looked bad, it was Zach uh, as he works his way back from this knee surgery. Like he was really bad against the Raptors. So like, but everyone else like did show some promise there. 
Uh, and obviously we're going to hope that Zach does find a groove here. He did not play in that last game. Neither did Demar. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll have to be patient with him as he finds his rhythm again from this knee surgery because he did look not like himself, but, uh, otherwise like, yeah, they looked pretty good after like that first game against the Pelicans that first like half, they give up however many points. It's like, Oh, here we go. They look like shit, but like the Pelicans could be really good. Uh, and that was just one half. Uh, and these other games, we saw some nice things. Yeah. I guess my big takeaway was the execution and the rebirth of the transition game without Lonzo ball. And I think that that is one of the most important factors for the Bulls this year is to become less reliant on DeMar and Zach hero ball. And when the Bulls really fell apart in the second half of last season, the offense really stagnated. I believe it was a February when DeRozan was just totally killing it. And then in March, he had like his one bad month where he wasn't playing up to his standards the rest of the season. Yep. Uh, but when the Bulls started to fall apart, it's like the offense really bogged down because it all revolved around DeMar. The transition game that was there when Lonzo was still healthy was nowhere to be found. And when that collapsed, it's like really like the Bulls at their best last season when they were running their defense fueled their offense. It wasn't just DeMar picking his spots in the half court. They also got a lot of easy buckets. And that's what we saw in this preseason. Last night against the G League Bucks, granted, not not a lot of talent on the team they were throwing out there, but 25 to 8 fast break points the Bulls won. So uh, I think that getting the fast break stuff in the transition game dialed in, having your defense lead to offense is super important. We saw it a couple times in the game last night where – it looked like Patrick Williams and Io were like coached to just leak out and yeah. take off. And they it was got a nice home run pass. Home run pass from Vooch to to Pat Williams. And you would think like the rebounding should be a little bit better. Drummond. If they go 48 minutes of Vooch and yeah. Drummond. Uh, I think both Vooch and Drummond, like if they're coached to throw the outlet pass and to like really try to like feed feed it to the guys filling the lanes in transition i think those guys can hypothetically sort of make that pass i'm sure it'll get a little too ambitious at times with drummond with drummond especially yeah but both of them like sort of have some passing skills for sure yeah especially for centers so that was my biggest takeaway it was like let's get this transition attack going again and the bulls really do have some great athletes when everyone's healthy. I mean, we'll talk about Javante and we probably should shift this to Javante talk now because to me, he's the biggest story of the preseason. I mean, first of all, let's my last point about the transition. I mean, we, whatever, we kind of crapped on the Dragic thing and I like, I still, who knows how good it'll be. We know he's the guy who likes to, to run and get out and get out and push the ball. So like, yeah, he's 36. We'll see how, what he can do over the course of a season. But like, that is at least his mindset is to get out and push the ball. So like, hopefully he can help play into that. Javante. Yes. We haven't even talked about it. Yeah, we mentioned Pat. We mentioned Javante. Is Billy's decision to bench Pat Patrick Williams in favor of Javante and Javante coming out? And I don't. We'll see who. We'll see who starts at power forward. Um, Javante's earned the starting power forward spot, I think. So, like, we will we will see there uh, if if they do go that route. I know Derek Jones Jr. also started one of the games, but I think that was just Billy just kind of like seeing what's going on, but. Billy Billy makes this move to Javante and he was awesome all preseason. And like I said, Pat did not have a good 
like he was kind of hit or miss. Like he had the big game against the Bucks, uh, and he did start that game, obviously with the other guys missing time. But I guess just your general thoughts on that decision just to begin with. And like, you, whether you think that should continue and whether Javante should start. Love it all the way around. Javante should absolutely start. Pat will be more set up for success going against second units, I think, which will be a new thing for him in his career yep. because from the moment he was drafted, he's been a starter, right? So him playing with the second unit and going against second units, uh, hopefully staggering his minutes with DeRozan a bit, because I think that that's where Pat sort of struggles is, uh, his skill set overlaps a bit with DeMar. So I even love it from Pat's perspective, and Pat seems to have the right attitude about it. Of course, you can say, well, you know, Pat should be more pissed off about this. Like, you're a top five overall pick. You're losing your job to a dude who, like, didn't even crack the NBA until he was 25 or something. And Javante, you know, he was totally a journeyman, not like a high pedigree lottery pick the way Pat was. But both Pat and Javante have said, you know, it's just about helping the team win. And in my opinion, starting Javante and bringing Pat off the bench is going to help the team win. And really, this is about Javante, who last year was pretty, pretty damn solid for the Bulls. Like he was he was found money for them. Uh, He's now 29 years old and coming into this season. You're like, okay, well, I don't know if Javante can really get any better. Last year started 45 games. He made 35.6% of his threes, but he was 36 from for 101 from deep. So he was a pretty tentative outside shooter. He's a six foot four guy, essentially playing power forward for you. And like I said, 7.2 points a game. So like, you know, not really a big time scorer and not someone who's really going to create his own offense. But what's great about Javante is he's an A-plus athlete and an A-plus hustle guy. And dare I say, Jason, that combination, I think, will pay dividends in any sport, even if you're not that skilled. If you're the most athletic guy on the court or on the field and you play the hardest out of anyone on the court or on the field, you're probably going to be pretty good regardless of what the sport is. And that's what Javante brings to the table. He is a truly fucking sick run and jump athlete. And he dunked the, from the free throw line almost in this in a preseason game. <laughs> totally crazy. He's got completely ridiculous hops. We need Javante in the dunk contest because as a six four guy, his dunks will actually look cool. And he's got something to prove now. Uh, you know, going into a contract year, and the contract year there, I think, is interesting too because. If you're Javante, you're like, all right, just the fact that I like carved out an NBA rotation spot at 28 years old is pretty amazing. Started 45 games. Who would have thought he was a throw in in the Daniel Tice deal that sent, you know, Gafford out, Troy Brown in. Uh, He was totally an afterthought and was not someone I even expected them to bring back for another season after that trade because Billy didn't really play him at all. Uh, in that midseason, in those midseason wheelings and dealings when the Bulls first landed Vooch. He was found money for the Bulls last year, and now he looks even better. He seems more confident as a three-point shooter. Obviously, that's the skill Javante should have worked on over this offseason, yep. and it seems like he did. Uh, you noted the versatility of how he's getting some of his shots. We'll see if that sticks into the regular season, but just the fact that he looks more comfortable shooting yep. the ball, whether it's off the bounce or a little bit off movement on the perimeter, I think is uh, super huge for the Bulls. And we know he hit a decent percent last year with, you know, 35, 36% from deep. Okay. Can you do that again? If you double the volume, can you do that again? If you triple the volume and last year, he only played 23.4 minutes a game. 
so like how many minutes can he play at that intensity his all-out intensity without like that dropping off but one thing i'll say jace i went back and looked at the playoff statistics javante only played 14 minutes a game in the playoffs so obviously the bulls had pat at that point yeah uh and for whatever reason i think they decided well javante is one of these guys who can't play in the playoffs because teams won't respect his three-point shot and in the playoffs, I think he went like one of seven or zero for seven from three. Yeah, uh, and just like small power forward, small power forward against that Bucks team is just like a tough hang. So like, not a great matchup for him. Uh, but you know, maybe that's part of the reason the Bulls got their ass kicked. Maybe they needed more Javante. Javante <laughs> oh, yeah, provides, man, I don't know. Provides a component that no one else on the team is capable of providing. I guess maybe Derek Jones could. Derek Jones does have the A plus athleticism, like Javante, and he's a little bit bigger. Yeah, uh, and I like Derek Jones, and I hope he's in the rotation this year. Uh, but Javante's a better—he's better on the perimeter offensively than Derek Jones is, and he just has like a little bit more of a nose for the ball, which yeah. is sort of unquantifiable. But it's like Javante—the energy he brings is just he, absurd. He comes in and like immediately he like finds the ball, like something whether it's a cut, whether it's like a whatever a rebound like a transition dunk it just seemed like in this preseason especially like he would come in and just like immediately would be doing stuff another guy who just like does stuff and you like notice him which is sometimes the problem with pat is just like you don't notice him too often uh and javante is just like always doing shit so i think that like javante's skill set just fits better around damar and zach and vooch as a guy who like doesn't really need the ball to be effective, right? Javante can impact the game without having the ball. And when you have three high usage guys with DeRozan, Levine, and Booch, you know, you're just not going to get that many opportunities to create with the ball in your hands. Now that's where I think Pat actually has some upside. And I said this last night, like Pat's whole draft stock was based around flashing in a lot of different areas, right? Like he had some of the on-ball creation glimpses where you think you know could this guy be a wing like jason tatum where you just give him the ball and he's essentially playing point guard some nice live dribble passing he get into the mid-range game uh occasionally he could get all the way to the basket and finish he would flash some catch and shoot spot up potential and look at pat's numbers from last year he hit like 44 percent of his threes obviously barely played he yeah. played 17 games but he's always been a pretty accurate shooter but just never a good shooter because he can't shoot with any value uh, and then, you know, he's also flashed some big man skills, whether it's on offense, like being able to finish above the rim on putbacks and on rolls as a screener, and then defensively some supplemental rim protection. So he's flashed in all these areas, right? But he's never actually been consistently good right. in any of them. <laughs> yeah. And to me, the weakest part of Patrick Williams' skill set is his catch-and-shoot jump shot. The role that Billy Donovan has put him in over the last – you know, season especially has been as a spot up shooter. You're not going to really get to touch the ball, Pat. The ball is going to go through Demar, Vooch, and Levine. And so Pat has added space from the corner. And as I've been saying on this podcast for years, basically play the role that like Michael Bridges plays for the Suns. Well, it would be great if the Bulls had a guy like that, but that's not Pat's skill set. Pat is good at a lot is of he, I mean, he is a good shooter. I feel like he's just he's just still too hesitant. I feel like he was a little less hesitant. I don't know what his three-point shooting but numbers are like. The thing. 
Why, yeah. why is he a hesitant shooter? Because he knows he's not that good. So, like, even if the percentage looks solid, he's only taking like really wide open, op- wide open looks. And like at the end of the day, that's like people saying like, oh, they're like complaining about the Celtics turnovers, right? Like the Celtics being sloppy yeah. for the turnovers in the finals. Like they're just not that good <laughs> if you're turning it over all the time like that. So I think the weakest part of Pat's game is a spot up shot. And you need a guy who can spot up around the Bulls three stars in the starting lineup. So I love the idea of Pat coming off the bench. Yes, maybe he gets to work with the ball in his hands a little bit more. But maybe he plays some more minutes as like a, a big. And especially if Drummond is going to space now, maybe Pat can roll a little bit. And against the Bucks, Pat had several highlight reel plays where he was acting as the lone big man in sort of a four out scenario where, you know, he's the guy setting the screen uh, and, you know, exploding the basket, dunking the shit out of the ball. Patrick Williams, you are big and pretty explosive. Dunk the shit out of the ball. That's what you should be doing. <laughs> and then he had another sick lefty drive where he finished with the left. It's like a dribble uh, handoff, I think. Something that was like going that. against the center. He like burned a center yeah. off the dribble. So like I yeah. think that his off the dribble game could benefit a little bit from going in second units too. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last thing I'll say on Pat and Javante, I want them together, baby. I want to see Pat at center, Javante at the four, Levine and DeMar on the wings, and Caruso at point. That's the lineup I want to see for the Bulls this year because I feel like every team needs a good small ball lineup. 
And of course, when the Bulls got Drummond, it's easy to think, okay, we got 48 minutes of Drummond and Vooch. I do want to see a little bit of Pat at the five, though. Yeah. Magic calls for it. Of course, you could go DJJ at the five, too. Derek Jones looked good at the five. But I'd like to see, you know, Pat, he should have, a, he should be a little bit more stout inside than Jones is defensively. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got more shooting and more off the dribble game on offense. Yeah. So, like, he could attack slower-footed centers if he's playing the five. And, you know, we'll see if he could, if the rebounding holds up or whatever, yep. or if the rim protection holds up. But, like, give that a chance. So, I want to see that small ball lineup, yeah. too. Yeah, when it comes to Pat, I think his offense, I think we saw what they, and you've, you've obviously just kind of mentioned a lot of this, is getting him on the move, getting him, whether it's as a screener, that one of that the lefty dunk, I believe he was coming either like a durable handoff or coming around a screen or something like that against a big man, and he was able to drive past him. Uh, and we, hit, we saw him leak outs. We saw some putbacks. All that kind of like more like garbage man stuff and get, again, getting him on the move. Because uh, I think we saw... When they when he did try to like take guys one on one, it was not good. Just like giving if you really just like giving him the ball on the wing and him trying to create for himself, it was not good. Uh, so like that might be a bit much for him to start. Like maybe down the road, a little more development, tightening the handle, stuff like that. Maybe that will get better. Uh, right now, it seems like he does. They they, they got to draw up stuff to get him, whether it is as a screener. Because there was a time I know there was a play where he screened and then he sealed. They got a switch, and he it might have been Javon Carter. They throw it, and he's got a huge advantage on him. They throw it down there, either gets fouled or he scores. Uh, working to get him into mismatches, keeping him on the move, getting him out in transition with those leak outs. That seems like, and then obviously he, we did, they need him. They will need him to shoot open threes. Uh, that seems like the best way to get him going. Going against lesser defenders will probably should probably help that. So like when they first Bill still made that switch, I was initially like, oh wow, like they're really doing this, uh, and like it wasn't sure to think about it. But you think about it more, and it's clear that Pat is just like he's not going to take a star leap this year. I don't think, at least not right away. He's not ready to make that leap yet. Because there are still moments where when he's playing with the main guys, he just doesn't do anything still, and it's still just way too quiet. He just doesn't doesn't really have it with those guys yet. So like. Move him away from the stars, get him a bit more involved against lesser guys, build up some confidence, get him developing that way. And then maybe like just because if Javante starts at the start of the year, doesn't necessarily mean he has to start at the end of the year. Like if Pat does like start him off the bench and he finds a nice rhythm. I mean, maybe if they did that, they would just keep that all year. But like maybe at some point down the line, getting into crunch time, playoff time, maybe then Pat would end up becoming a starter. But uh, after thinking about it more and after just kind of watching and just seeing Pat continue to just kind of blend it, like just kind of float around when he's playing with the main guys, it does seem like getting him on those second unit, getting the transition. If he's playing with like Dragic and Kobe, uh, Drummond, like you said, Javante, these other guys, maybe that will help him actually develop that offensive game and find that aggressiveness that just as clearly just is is missing when he's playing with the star guys. And like, naturally that's going to be the case. He's not going to get as many touches, but even, even then, I mean, it would be nice to see him do some of this other role guy stuff with those stars. I saw our guys, Mark and Laro kind of arguing over pad and like, how can he do this with the star players and all this kind of stuff? Like, can he play like Javante? Uh, and like, it's going to be, it might be a bit of a transition for him. It could be tough. He doesn't, he does not have the Javante mindset of going, 110 percent he also play. doesn't have the javante speed or yeah, quickness or, uh, yeah. or bounce yeah 
I mean, nobody does. That's besides yeah. for Derek Jones, who also yeah. it's like Javante is a 99th percentile NBA athlete. And that's how you can cut it as a six foot four power forward. Yeah. And that's how you can come out of fucking Radford and play <laughs> in all these international stops and still grind your way to an NBA opportunity. So, I mean, the great thing about Javante, like I said, is he doesn't need the ball to impact the game. Yeah. And you know who needs the ball to impact the game? DeMar DeRozan. You know who else does? Nikola Vucevic. You know who else does? Zach Levine. So there's one ball. And you know who else does? Patrick Williams, I think. So I love everything about this. I think huge credit to Billy for having the balls to do it, really. And now it's on Billy to get Pat cooking and, like, find one thing Pat's good at. Like, he's hypothetically good at a lot of things. Yeah. He's actually good at nothing. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, right. So Absolutely. let's like end this season saying, all right, we know Patrick Williams is a plus front court defender, right? Like now we can say like, yeah, he looks pretty good on defense, but you can't conclusively say Patrick Williams is a clear plus on the yeah. defensive end. I hope we end the season being able to say that. Yeah. I hope we end the season being able to say, you know what? Patrick Williams is really good as a role man, or Patrick Williams is really good as a pull-up mid-range shooter. Like Pat needs to find the spots on the floor where he can be effective and really like Billy needs to put him in those positions to succeed. Like maybe Pat does not have that dog. in him, <laughs> And oftentimes that's a kiss of death, but he is big enough and skilled enough to find success in the NBA. If someone helps him get there. And I do not think the coaching and the usage of Patrick Williams has done him any favors in his short NBA career. And it's easy for fans to look at him and be like, this guy's a fucking bust. <laughs> like, how are you getting beat out by Javante Green? Why don't you, like, play harder or, like, be more aggressive or do something? I just hate the be more aggressive thing. Like, I find that analysis so reductive. And it's easy to say, but it's also like, okay, dude, his role is a spot-up shooter and he sucks at shooting. Like, even if the percentage is good, like, he turns down open ones because he knows he sucks. So I feel like it's really on the coaching staff with Pat, and they maybe took the biggest step, which is putting Javante in the lineup over him because Javante gives the team a better chance to win. And the other thing with Pat is, like, if I told you when the Bulls drafted Pat that he would be a second contract guy, that he'd be a guy who got good after he signed a second deal, you would not have found that totally unbelievable, given the fact that he was the youngest American-born player in the 2020 draft. So development's not always linear. Nope. Uh, you would love for Pat to like morph into this like sick three-point shooting stud defensive star while DeMar is still in his prime, his extended prime. But shit, man, if it doesn't happen... There's still a scenario where Patrick Williams could turn out to be a pretty decent player for the Bulls. And I really think that this move to the bench is the best thing for him in the short term. Yeah, we'll see. Um, any other like thoughts on the new guys, Dragic, Drummond, Dalen, Triple D? Uh -huh. I guess my IO thing. I got an IO. Yeah. I have notes on it somewhere because I don't have the exact numbers pulled up. Maybe I should pull them up. Anyways, Io. So last year, Io was in like the 93rd percentile on cleaning the glass of combo guards on pull-up shooting accuracy. But he was like in the 35th percentile on pull-up shooting frequency for combo guards. 
So what I want to see from Io is for him to remember that he's a fucking all American. <laughs> he is that was his bread he and butter. Dominant college yeah. basketball player by scoring inside the arc and sort of outside of the paint. So you look at the numbers for Io as a rookie. He was very good at getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. He basically never went to his mid-range game, but when he did, he was very efficient. And then the three-point shot, you know, needed to up the volume, wasn't super confident in the three-point shot, but also wasn't terrible. Uh, I think the three-point shot for Io looks undeniably better. Last year, the numbers 2.4 attempts per game, 37.6%, which is wonderful. 37.6% is awesome. Can you do that and get that up to four attempts per game at 37%? That would be incredible if possible. And then like, I'll look for your own offense a little bit more. Like last year, he was just trying to get in where he fit in as a rookie second round pick this year. Dude, you're the starter. Like personally, I still think Caruso should start. It just makes more sense to me to have his awesome defense going against second units, but they're going with Io. I'm cool with that too. I think Io's a good option for sure as starting point guard while Lonzo's out. And I want him to sort of hunt his own offense a little bit more because Last year, per 36 minutes, Io 11.6 points per game. Can his per 36 points per game this year be like 17, 18? But he's just got to be, I I hate to say it, but now I'm going to say it, more aggressive. (laughs) Hypocrite. His own pull-up offense because... uh, That was his game at Illinois. That was like his shit. Like he was a mid-range clutch assassin. That was like, and he would make it at a really high rate. Uh, I'm assuming just like as a rookie last year, just it was kind of in him to defer to the proven guys and that like maybe with like NBA, just like mid range isn't as like obviously not as don't want to do it as much. Obviously, DeMar can do it. But like if you're taking mid range in the NBA and you're like not hitting at 50 percent, it's like, don't please don't do that. So like I, I don't know if that was coached out of him. because like the, again, that was a huge Huge part of his game at Illinois was mid that pull up mid range jumper, and especially at the end of games. So, like, we know he could, he did it at the college level. He did it well in lower volume at the NBA level. Absolutely, should look for a shot more. Uh, whether it's mid range driving, I mean, just in general, he could look. I think from any area on the court can absolutely look to get his own a bit more. Uh, and then other takeaway. DeMar is still going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, he looks great. I mean, DeMar is going to kill it. Yeah. And you just want to have an offense that's not just DeMar. Yeah. Because in crunch time, it's going to be DeMar. And when the shot clock breaks down late, it should be DeMar. But it can't just be DeMar. And if that's the case, the Bulls aren't going to be very good again. Uh, Just like they weren't in the second half when the offense mostly revolved around DeMar. So I think it's a big year for Billy. I keep saying it like the honeymoon period is over for Billy. I like Billy, but I'm also one of these people who thinks like we should fire coaches. Sooner. <laughs> like there's a ton of coaches out there. If it doesn't work, just fire them. Generally is my big picture coaching. Nathaniel Hackett, fire him after they should have fired him after one game. <laughs> so like with Billy, I like him. He's definitely like a competent head coach, but like part of his job is like getting more out of Pat. And another part of his job is, like putting the best lineups on the floor. And I think he's doing that with Javante. So, so far in the preseason, impressed by Billy, even though I would have started Caruso. Uh, and now their bench is kind of sick, even without Lonzo. If you're going eight-man rotation, let's talk about this. So you're starting five without Lonzo. Is Io, Zach, 
DeMar, Javante, Vooch. If you want to go off the bench, your top three off the bench are going to be Caruso, Patrick Williams, and Drummond. That's a pretty solid eight-man rotation. Now, if you want to, of course, you don't really play an eight-man rotation in the regular season. You'll get Kobe, Dragic. So now you got Dragic, DJJ, and Kobe. So you potentially go 11 deep on this team. Uh, I don't know if they're going to play 11 guys. I think there'll be some matchups where DJJ doesn't play. There might be I mean, some there'll be injuries. There'll be nights off. There'll be injuries. Uh, where like you're t- having like a good top or 11 or 12 is good to have in the regular season. Just the, with attrition, with injuries, with rest days. It's good to have that kind of depth. Obviously, in the playoffs, you start playing seven or eight guys. Uh, and those top eight, like if, if the Bulls do make the playoffs, I think at the top eight that we mentioned, is probably their playoff rotation. Maybe we'll see what happens with like Javante, uh, with like Kobe, like Kobe and Dragic. But I think the top eight that we mentioned is probably their playoff rotation. I would guess. Plus Lonzo. Plus Lonzo. Yes, I yeah. Lonzo comes in. So then I guess yeah, maybe well Javante. Maybe obviously I would play Io over Kobe at this point. He's just I think he's just better. Uh, that's that's way down the line. Anyways, yeah, like having eleven or twelve good guys is is. Solid guys is nice. And like not um, relying on bums, like hopefully no Tony Bradley or rare Tony Bradley. Uh, Javante's got to be a big part of the team. And like I was listening to the Bulls Gold podcast, they had Laro and Chris on. Yeah. Everyone listened to that. That was a really great roundtable discussion with Salim and the rest of the crew there. Uh, and they were like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if Javante could become like Patrick Beverly? Like one of these guys who really carved out like a super solid career for himself after being a journeyman to start his career. And I think why not, baby? <laughs> he's got he's got the athleticism, he's got the energy, and his skills look a little better. And they were good, pretty good last year, but you know, he was a little too tentative. He was just starting to grow into his skills. Now he's another year more confident in himself, handling the ball, shooting the ball. Javante is an essential part of this Bulls team. I really think so. And, you know, if they're going to win mid-40s games again, if they're going to make the playoffs without needing to go through the play-in, it will require a big Javante here. I really think so. Now, if he's going to be Patrick Beverly, just needs a podcast and some serious trash talk improvement. Then he can be Patrick Beverly. Um, Anything else? Any other takeaways with Vooch? I mean, Vooch... Okay, how about Looks, how about Dragic? So I, I yeah. hated on Dragic. Yeah. That signing. You know, I usually think of Dragic as like a score first guard. Yeah. Dragic can also like drop some dimes and like organize the offense a little bit in a way that I would say at point guard, he's better than Kobe. Yes. Right? Like if at like probably for teammates. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't he be? He's got 10 more years of experience. He's an all former all-star former all-star. Right. Yeah. So like I was sort of underrating Dragic's playmaking and facilitating. Yeah. I mentioned the, that, the, the transition stuff. Like he will look to do that kind of stuff and set guys up in transition. Even in the half court too. Yeah. yeah fair. So like I was a little down on Dragic's like scoring ability and like coming into the year, I would have been like, I would rather see Kobe than Dragic because I think Kobe gives you more shooting and they need shooting. But now after watching preseason, I'm like, I don't know, like maybe Dragic sets the table better. And, you know, the Bulls kind of got some freak athletes with DJJ and with Javante. Like you don't think of those guys as role guy, like 
uh, rollers in the pick and roll because they're not like seven footers. And Vooch isn't really a roller. No. So it's like they don't really have like a lob threat or like a vertical spacer. But like Javante and DJJ are sort of non-traditional vertical spacers. And maybe Patrick Williams can be too where you need a good pick and roll playmaker to hit those guys. And I think Dragic can maybe do that. So that's encouraging. And then Drummond, Drummond should be one of the better backup centers. But what kills me about Drummond is that he just wants to be a guard. So <laughs> like his, his like feel for the game has never been super high. <laughs> I don't think. And he's, he, he has a motor that sort of runs hot and cold. Too. Yeah. But, like, he's only 29. Physically, like, he should at least still be a top 40 center, you would think. Maybe better than that. He looks like he's in better shape. So, yeah, I'm all right with Drummond. And honestly, let Drummond shoot. Higher away, dude. (laughs) I couldn't be more into it. They need shooters. Right, yeah. Like, last year, they basically tried to outsource their lack of shooting to Vooch. This year, hopefully it's Vooch does what he's best at, which is operating from the elbows and in the post, trying to get like deep post position early, not just like pounding the ball to him late in the shot. Yeah, clock right. Post. Like opportunistic post touches for Vooch. Force doubles, you- get p- pass out to open shooters, that kind of stuff. I, I think just like if you get Zach over there with him, work a Zach two man game with him, get it to him in the post that they double on Vooch. Zach, Zach is open for threes, stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the shooting, like you said, the shooting needs to come from Io, Javante, and then Zach. Like Zach's got to up the three point attempts, too. You've been saying that for a while, Jason. Like, yep. Let's let's see 10 threes. Nine or 10 threes a game. game. Give it to Zach. me. I'm yep. totally on, on board with that because Zach's a sick shooter. So, yeah, I love it. Like, they still don't have enough shooting. And that's one thing that scares me a bit. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't just have to be Vooch. To shoot it. Like, let Javante and Io shoot yeah, it. I mean, Caruso's a little better from three. And, and if, if this Drummond thing is real, let him take them if they're open. Like, obviously, if he's literally not making anything in the regular season, then it's like, okay, maybe not. But, like, I mean, he those threes looked really good against the Raptors. So, like, if that's actually a thing, let him take one or two a game. Uh, love to get that three-point rate up, like I said, from somewhere. I made fun of him when they, they were showing, like, highlights and practice him shooting threes, and I was like... You know, these NBA players, like, no matter what, can basically hit threes in empty gyms and practice. But, like, so I was like, that doesn't mean anything. He comes out and does that. Uh, so if you can keep doing that, fire away, take a few a game. Uh, hopefully, I mean, if he even hit, like, 30 to 33%, like, that's probably not that bad. That'd be awesome. If you could yeah. take two a game and hit 33%, sign yeah. me up. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's finish up here. Just So you're a bit more optimistic about the – about the, where the team is at after this preseason. So would, would, would you like to, I guess, upgrade your win total at all? We went through the schedule at 44. That was before the Lonzo news. And then we were, after the Lonzo news, we were kind of down on them coming into them. So what do you, where's your head at now for wins? Yeah. Where they're going to be here? Recently, I had said they're a 500 team. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I think they're going to be a little better than that now. Maybe right. I'm putting too much stock in the preseason, but I really think like, Getting the transition game back without Lonzo would really do wonders for them. And the nights when the Bulls are going to be really frustrating are probably the nights when it's DeMar versus the world or Zach versus the world. And they got to get everyone else involved. Are the Bulls deep? Are they like sneaky deep? Maybe. 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 If these guys guys do like if Dragic and Drummond do have some left in the tank here. 
How about Javante uh, and Io just getting better? Yeah, those guys get better, and you have just like a actual like Io. He's like an actual two way guy. We talked about last year how like Lonzo was like the only like actual two like proven two way guy. If Io becomes that, if Javante is a plus on both ends, uh, like that'd be great. I wouldn't say he's like a great defensive player, but like if he could be at least somewhat good on both ends, like that's huge. Uh, so like yeah, I mean, not playing dudes like Matt Thomas or some of the other guys like. Hopefully the injuries don't hit too much. I always say that every single year, but um, yeah, I mean, maybe the kind of deep, like I said, I'm, I can see now I'm revising up a couple wins, get me to like around where they were last year, 45, 44, 45, 46 in the mid forties. Like I said, I, I, I think it would still with the East Binks where it is, how tough it is like high forties up to fifties, probably pretty tough with no Lonzo or without Lonzo to whenever he's going to come back early 2023. So like, I don't think I can go there, but like, I feel a bit better about them being decent and at least fun uh, to watch. Yeah. And uh, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Like just give me a team that doesn't suck to watch. If they could make the second round this year, that would be an awesome achievement. Yeah. That really, that really would be, uh, that'd be great. I would love that. You know, especially just like how down we've been about like where the team is at. Like uh, lately it's been like, they're going to be the nine seed, eight or nine seed. I mean, if it's the nine seed, they'd have to win two play-in games to even get to the eight seed. And then you're probably getting crushed in the first round. Like, I mean, if they somehow get top six and you pull an upset, maybe in the first round, if Lonzo's healthy, like maybe, like I said, I don't want I don't, I'm not going to say that's going to happen right, right. now, but I'm uh, high on the Raptors. I'm high on the Cavs. Like, I think there's a lot of good looking teams in the East. So there's a lot of, a lot of good teams. So it's going to be tough. Be a regular season monster. Yeah. The Bucks might be the title favorites. Yeah, so, he, I mean, there's, there's a lot to compete with for sure, but yeah. it's going to make a f- for a fun regular season because there's not going to be a lot of like easy games. Yeah. Like every game is like, Okay, damn, now we got Atlanta. Damn, now we got Cleveland. Damn, now we got, you know, the Knicks. There's just like not gonna be a lot of pushover game. So it'll be a fun year. I'm really yeah. excited for it. And speaking of that, the first game of the season is a week from today. We are Wednesday, October 12th. We are recording this right now. Week to, from today in Miami. So right away, you are getting a big time team. We know the Bulls had big time troubles against them and Miami's that defense. So it'll be interesting to see how this bull like new look bulls offense and their transition game how they perform against that heat defense that we know is super aggressive forces a lot of turnovers. Uh, like I said, there were a few games I showed the heat, the bulls didn't look like they belonged anywhere near the same like level as the heat did a few of those games last year. So hopefully the bulls come out uh, and compete in that game and can play well and maybe even get a win on the road in Miami to start the season. So we will see that'll do it for us here. Cash considerations with this preseason, this preseason takeaway podcast, as always shout out to the blue wire network like what we're doing here at cash please with the nba season starting tons of great nba pods all across the network and a bunch of other great pods as well for us here at cash please rate and review us give us those five star ratings or an apple podcast spotify stitcher google Podcasts, all those good places follow me on twitter i'm at bulls underscore j ricky is at spn underscore ricky we'll be tweeting about the bulls all season please give us comments questions anything we'll certainly we'll like love to answer them on twitter on the pod and all that good stuff so Again, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. This is last year's Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls. Let's 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.